Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast, talking life and league for 45 minutes or thereabouts every week of the year. One big in-depth feature interview each week with one of the biggest names in the greatest game and all the big issues as well dissected by the Love Rugby League team. Download us on Spotify, Apple and do please leave a review as well and all the other major podcast providers and make sure to follow Love Rugby League on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for exclusive news and features from right across Rugby League. You can find us online at loverugbyleague.com. This is the Love Rugby League podcast. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Welcome to this week's big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. This week, we talk to an in-form Wigan winger, scoring tries for fun at the moment and knocking on England's World Cup door, perhaps as well. Liam Marshall, uh, welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, All good. And we're doing this recording fresh fresh from training. Was it an easy session, an intense session? What kind of what kind of state do we find you in today? Yeah, but pretty good. It's um, with the way our new training week works. We train sort of um, our last training day, sort of two days out from the game. So we have uh, tomorrow as a rest day, and then it's game day Friday. So it's a pretty intense session. Uh, it's not very long, uh, but it's short and sharp. Uh, it's probably the easiest way to describe it. And, uh, a lot of high speed running and, and stuff. And yeah, it's uh, it's an enjoyable and an intense session. It sort of rounds the week off nicely. So. Yeah, feeling pretty good. Um, but yeah, legs are legs are a bit sore. Not a very long training session. That that sounds already like Lee Brears' stamp marked all over it to me. That. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just just the way our training week's designed. Uh, <laughs> Lee will probably be the first to admit that he he wasn't a big trainer, but no, he he's into us. And um, but what is something that Matty and the, the the staff have brought in this year is this training week. We sort of train three days in a row and don't have the we don't do the um, the old the captain's run uh, the day before the game, but um, it's something that we've we've bought into and it seems to be working for us. So um, it was a bit of a, a tough sell, I reckon, at the beginning of the year for some of the lads and especially well me and, and all the lads have always maybe known of that captain's run and having sort of today as a day off. But yeah, but it's, it's it's working and, and we're enjoying it. But yeah, it, saying it's own, saying that it's a short session probably probably sells it it wrong. It, it's not. It might not be long on the field, but it's it's pretty tough. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk a lot about you in, in due course. In terms of Wigan right now, mate, where 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 do you think the club is? Where do you think the team is? Uh, we, we're recording this podcast kind of early mid mid August. I don't know what your goals were at the start, but where, where do you think you are right now? Um, we've we've probably had a pretty good start as a team and and as a club, and, and we're in a place what what we probably wanted to be, um, sort of. Going into this year, we've obviously Matty coming in as a uh, sort of an inexperienced head coach and sort of a few doubts about us after last season, how we finished. Um, it, it was always going to be sort of a difficult year. And I think just the way we started and even from day one of pre-season, we sort of had a, a philosophy, sort of something we wanted to be about and everyone's bought into it. And the, the new lads coming into the camp have, have brought us sort of new lease of life and uh, they really bought into the culture and, and what we've wanted to be about. And um, I think if we'd have, if you'd have said to us probably on that first day of pre-season that 
like you said, going into August, we're sitting second in the league and, and we've already won a trophy. I think that would have been sort of a dream year for us. And um, look, we're, we are in a good place as a team, but I feel still feel like there is room for improvement and um, we're not quite maybe where we can be. So that's exciting as, as much as it's, I won't say it's a disappointment. I think it's probably exciting that we can hopefully still improve and um, hopefully find an even better sort of burner form going into the, the big games at the back end of the year. Have you wanted to and have you talked about going going under the radar a little bit? Every time I've spoken to Matty Pete or Lee Breers, it's, it's you know, we know where we, we need to be and that's where Saints are. They're the benchmark and Secretly, I think you must know you're closer than closer than that. Um, and certainly, winning the cup, uh, you couldn't go under the radar after after winning the cup, could you? Because everyone saw what what Wigan's already all about. Yeah, um, I still think Saints had a benchmark. Uh, they have been for three, four years now, and um, they've still they've got on top of us twice in in the two league games this year. So there's still a bit of a gap, and there's still a bit of catching up to do, but. Yeah, I think probably going into the year, we we did have that bit of sort of an underdog mentality, that sort of going under the radar. I think people uh, probably wrote us off maybe going into this year and maybe think we'd we'd be the team that we have been, um, which is which sort of lends and works well in your favour when when people maybe not expecting much of you. But like you said, obviously, um, some of the rubber we've been playing and, and sort of winning the cup, it, it is tough to to sort of stay under the radar, like you said, but we sort of need to keep that underdog mentality and sort of keep striving to be better. And we don't want to be the team that sort of the season finishes after the cup final or they, they don't quite reach where they, where they could have been. So, um, yeah, we, we, we're doing well, I think, but like I said, there is room for improvement. And yeah, there's a team above us that are the benchmark that we're still chasing on and off the field, sort of culturally wise and, and as a rugby team. But that team who are the benchmark you're chasing have had pretty wobbly last couple of weeks. And Wakefield, even though Wakefield lost to them, and, and certainly Salford, who, who hammered them, have shown have shown you and shown everyone else that you can get at this Saints team. They are beatable. Yeah, um, obviously they've had a couple of tricky results. And um, like I said, the, the benchmark and the level they've set for the past three or four years, them losing two games, people are talking like, like they fell off a cliff or that it's catastrophic. And... I think uh, everyone would be, would admit that, that that them losing two games from the outside looks like it's the end of the end of St. Helens, so to speak. And I think it's far from that. Um, it's because they've been so good, and it's a testament to them over the the past three or four years that that them losing two games on the bounce, people are talking about sort of the end of of what they've been. But I I, I don't buy into that. That they're a quality rugby team, and look, it's probably the what they've lost four games all season and probably maybe lost if not less than that last season and the years before so there's still a quality like I said the benchmark team and everyone's chasing and I think what comes with success is that teams want to beat you and teams are that extra bit fired up and and up until like you said the last couple of weeks they've been they've been able to topple that every game they've played so a massive respect to them as a team and yeah like I said they even though they've lost two they're, they're still the team to beat yeah that's exactly it and Alex Wormsley who was a, who was on this podcast Last week was basically saying it's great to be able to talk about this mini crisis when we're four when we're four points off a of super league, isn't it? Yeah. So we must we must be doing something right. Uh, you mentioned Matty P. You you'll have known him for years, right? And we'll come on to your journey. Tell me a bit about his his influence. Everyone I speak to says how good he is at getting the best out of them, and you you'll have played under him most of your life. I, I would have thought. So what's what's he like? What's he like behind the scenes? And what does he do to to get you playing for him as players? Yeah, obviously I've known Matty since, well, probably since I first started at Dralham, we're going to, um, at sort of 17, 18. And he's been involved with my sort of uh, journey since then, whether it's as sort of head of youth or um, academy coach, and then assistant coach, and then obviously now the first team coach. Um, and, Matt, and Matt's been really good. I feel like he's um, he's took this role and, and made it his own um, in terms of sort of how he's approached it. I think... Um, even just with what I was talking about earlier with the way we train now, our different different training schedule to, to what's maybe the norm around Super League or been the norm before at Wigan. Um, it's just a testament to him and he's sort of coming with his own values and his beliefs and his strategies and, and he's, he, us as players have bought into it and that's what's worked so well. Um, I think it's quite a, a brave um, 
could even say a risky move, um, sort of trying to change things as much as he has. But um, it's obviously been successful and um, getting the best out of players is, is something that he's done well this year. And I think it's that's a testament to him and, and the other coaches. I think Lee's been been great to have on board and um, sort of what he's done with the attack, attacking side. And obviously, um, Lockers, who's been around the club for nine thirty years now. And um, obviously, if he tells you to do something, you sort of do it because of the, the respect you have for him. And yeah, I think it's just been a great place to be around. Matt's um, been really uh, big on sort of building the bonds off the field as well as on it. And we we had a lot of meetings in pre-season where we, we maybe spoke about things that wouldn't necessarily be, be said. Um, it might be things that people are thinking and we've addressed any issues sort of straight down and all the lads know what's going on. There's no secret chats or no just little meetings with different players and stuff and everything filters down through from top to bottom, which is which I've really thought has been good. And um, we have weekly sort of culture meetings where we discuss different sort of topics and uh, maybe it's not just things that have gone on on the field, say it's stuff that's going on around the training or anything that we feel we need to nip in the bud or things that, that lads need to be applauded for, whether it's sort of appearances outside of training, going, helping around the community, stuff like that. So just be more like an honest, open workplace. And the, the things that maybe you would think that, that, that you don't, wouldn't necessarily say, and those are out in the in the open now. And I feel feel it, it works and sort of it's lended itself to to having been a better workplace. And obviously it seems to be helping us on the field, which has been good. There might be secret chats. You might just not be in them. Yeah, it must be. I mean, unless I'm the only one who doesn't know about it, they might all be talking about me. <laughs> um, you said how much you love it, I can, and I can tell by speaking to you how much you love it. And, and watching Wigan when you're playing well, it looks like you're all collectively playing with a smile on your face. How often when you give an interview do people ask you, what's it like to play with Field and French? That must be, you must get asked that so much because they're electric to watch and you're in that team with them. Yeah, sick of hearing about those two, to be honest. That's all people ask about. No, obviously, two uh, two great lads and um, we're, we're sort of very lucky to have them uh, and how well they're playing. And it's like you say, it's a pleasure to watch and um, they do things that not many people can do on a field. But um, we don't want to sort of be that team that, that has to rely on those two that maybe um, other lads are doing things that maybe go unnoticed because of how well Jay and Bevan are playing. But they know and they'll be the first to admit that without the actions of the other lads and the other sort of 15 players in, in that match day squad, they won't be able to do it. But yeah, we're very, very lucky to have them and they, they play some great, great rugby in it and it really sort of makes it sort of um, me outside of them, my life easier. And um, it's just, I think, sort of a pleasure to, to, to share the field with them sometimes with some of the things they do. And and we talked about Wigan going under the radar. As as those those two grabbing all the headlines, has that helped you in terms of going a bit more under the radar? Because you're scoring two, three tries here and there every week, and no one's really talking about Liam Marshall because everyone's talking about French or Field. Oh, maybe yeah. It's not maybe something I've I've sort of got asked that after the game on on um, Thursday, and yeah, maybe maybe as sort of I've gone under the radar, but I I, I don't mind that really. Um, I feel like I play my best rugby when I feel like I've got that that sort of hunger and I'm I'm chasing chasing something. I don't want to sort of get ahead of myself. And when I, when that ever does happen, I feel like that's when I won't sort of play the best rugby I can. So having that sort of underdog mentality and that sort of striving to be better and better each week, that hunger. Um, if I've still got that there, which I do have, that makes me play better. And it probably not that I want the landmark, but it it sort of maybe does take it take it away. And those two maybe. So I say, take the pressure off off other people, and it's probably allowed other people to play some good rugby. That, like you said, he's going unnoticed because of how well uh, Jay and Bevan are playing. So maybe all around it is helping us. But um, yeah, they can they can have all the pressure and all the limelight, and us other lads will do our, our, our work in the dark. Yeah. The, the only one, the only person you really need to notice you is the England head coach, and obviously you've got him around the club at, at Wigan as well. So, what have those conversations been like with you? Uh, I know Sean Wayne is very personable and very direct with anyone in or around the England squad about what he needs from them to, to get themselves into the reckoning in time for the World Cup. So so what's the dialogue between you two being like? I remember Sean saying that it was probably the difficult, the most difficult call he had to make in the last one was, was probably speaking to you about it because of how well you were playing. So how, how is that relationship at the moment? 
Yeah, it's good. Obviously, Wayne is um, in and around at training with his role with us and sort of leadership and, and sort of that um, management stuff and um, see him obviously a couple of times a week. And yeah, the, uh, there's probably not as many chats as you think, not not for any particular reason, but I know what, what obviously Sean wants. Um, he, I obviously played under him for, for two years when I first broke into the first team. And obviously, since he's been the England coach, he, he sort of spoke to me and uh, told me what he wants from from his wingers and like you said he's very honest and he's very direct and um, I think that's the way it should be it's, you don't need to be too around the bush he, he will tell you what he wants from from each particular position and what you need to do to sort of be in his intentions then you go out and do it and I think that that way works well really and yeah I, I know what I, I need to do hopefully uh, to be in his mind for the end of the year but um, for now obviously I just need to keep doing my job for Wigan and whatever comes on the back of that uh, we'll see but yeah he, he tells you what he wants and you've just got to sort of go out there and do it How do you, how do you view that that fight for, for spots on the wing in the in the World Cup squad obviously Jerry decided he's not going to go around uh, so, so he's retired which, which on the face of it frees up a starting spot doesn't it then you got Ryan Hall back in the mix making some Davis Rowley is pushing Burgess every time that Salford play well where do you see yourself fitting into that reckoning at the moment? Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure to be honest. It's um, there's obviously some very talented players that you that you name there, and sort of in this competition, and there's some lads obviously overseas potentially who could be involved, and there's a lot of quality players. And like I said, I just need to do what what sort of Sean wants, and then it's sort of up to him to make the decision. Um, don't want to sort of rank myself anywhere or, or put, a, put, a, put a number on it or anything. It's just it's one of those things that I just try to sort of take each week as it comes and um, and, and like I said, see what happens. It, it would obviously be a great privilege and an honour to be selected and be involved in that. But sort of just to be involved in the, the training squad as it is now and going to the meetings and, and doing the little training sessions and sort of being involved with the best of the best in this country is is something that I'm really sort of privileged for and it just helps you get the best out of your game and um, if I keep doing what I'm doing for Wigan hopefully that will that will be enough but yeah what what will be will be and there's a lot of very talented players so there'll be no sort of qualms or arguments on my end if if other people were, were picked instead because just the, the lads you named there there's some, some quality individuals as a, as a fan how do you how do you rate England's prospects there'll, there'll be a huge expectation because it's a home World Cup but I think everyone knows how strong the Southern Hemisphere are going to be when they come across in the Pacific Islands, stronger than ever. Uh, Alex Wormsley, I think, on this podcast last week was, was saying England know that the odds might be stacked against them here. How, how do you view it you know, purely as an England fan wanting us to, to win it? Yeah, obviously, it's a, it's a home World Cup, which gives you that sort of extra motivation and um, probably similar to what, to what um, Alex, that you mentioned, what Alex said, is that um, there's always that sort of... Um, not, not the, the expectations are maybe not very high for England and, and people sort yeah. of write us off. But um, yeah, I think obviously being at home and having them home crowds, it's, I'm, I'm sure there will be for all the games and the, the quality of players we've, we've got over here, I think sometimes goes a bit underestimated. And yeah, there's, there's some very good teams and some very good individuals from coming from the Southern Hemisphere and it should be a very exciting World Cup. But I think if, if England sort of play the way that they can do and to the potential and everyone sort of buys into what to what Sean wants. I don't see why the team can't be very successful um, in the World Cup and it would be obviously massive with it being, I think it's the 50th anniversary of the World Cup, is it? If, if I'm right and it's exciting and yeah, um, I don't see why England can't go all the way in it really. That, that, I think that's kind of the point. The interesting thing you said there is, you know, we don't, you know, we, we underestimate how good we are. Would it be fair to say we don't, we don't actually know how good we are. We, you know, we watch the NRL, we watch Origin and things. We can't beat that. But we don't have that. And we don't have much international. So actually we don't, we don't know. <laughs> you know, no. you, you guys play Super League every week and you know when you've had a big, a big fight, you know what the grand finals are like. You've you've a couple of months ago played um in, in the cup final, which must have been a wonderful experience. But in terms of playing that lot, we we don't know. Like we can fear them, but we don't know, do we? No, we don't know. It's like you said, we we Obviously, without there not being the World Cup challenge for for a couple of years to, to play against the best of us against the best of them, and um, sort of like you said, we don't maybe get those mid-season tests, and we don't have that Origin level game. But um, yeah, we, it, it's hard to judge against. I think obviously they how big it is over there, and the, the sort of publicity that that the NRL gets, and 
it's massive and I think we um, sort of we go maybe under the radar a bit and maybe sort of maybe think that we're, we're a bit inferior but I, we, there's a lot of players who've gone over there and done well so I don't see why we can't challenge against them but yeah I think the only way to test that is by sort of playing them and that'll be what the World Cup is at the end of the year and you've got to come up against you're going to come up against a couple of the summer that have to be teams maybe you'll play them all so it's a, it's a tough challenge but it's exciting um, as well have you, have you ever had a, a little nibble of interest from down under has anyone got in touch asking about your availability uh, no it's something that's never really um, been been on the tail for me to be honest ever since I've been at Wigan I've sort of been under sort of length, lengthy or under sort of lengthy contracts and signed again when I've been uh, in contracts as a, as a young as a young player so it's not really something I've uh, gone looking for really or, or ever sort of had the interest in but yeah I'm, I'm really happy to, to be at Wigan obviously the, my hometown team and don't see sort of playing anywhere else um, at the minute and I'm really enjoying it so it's, it's not really something I've I've looked at and, and wanted to, to sort of do um, but, but yeah very happy at Wigan so wouldn't, wouldn't want to move your your backstory I mentioned at the start of this this chat is is an interesting one. I I always like it when kind of little men come good <laughs> like you. Yeah. As my, my my own backstory, wanting to play, be a professional for Leeds United, and being told I was too small. Obviously, at forty four years old, I still haven't let that go. Um, <laughs> so, so, so I always, if they'd have said you're too shit, I think I'd have taken that on the chin. Yeah. But but. But you were late, you know, you came too late, didn't you? I, I, I wouldn't want to say you were on the, the rugby league scrappy, but it, it was, you know, it might not have happened for you. You you might have had a, another life. So, so how did it all kind of, how did the piece of the jigsaw all come together for you eventually? Yeah, like you said, it's sort of an interesting one. So I played, um, obviously played amateur up till 16 and played in a very good um, Wigan St. Patrick's team who I think, uh, there was maybe one, maybe me and maybe one other who weren't sort of under any scholarships at any two league teams at the time as it was. Um, uh, wasn't sort of signed into any academy at 16, so I went, just carried on playing uh, in, in uh, the amateur under 18s at, at, at Pats as it was and represented sort of Lancashire and, and sort of the Barla teams and was lucky enough to be spotted by uh, Jack Roden, the Wigan scout. Um, and I went down on trial at 17, sort of, my second year of under-19s and uh, played through the academy that year um, on sort of a one-year deal and then was told told that I, I wasn't required, I wasn't wanted for the year after. Uh, and then a few weeks later was told that I was wanted. So then signing on again for uh, my third and final year at academy. And then when you get to that last year under-19s, um, it's sort of a decision whether they keep you full-time with the first team or I'll let you go. And uh, again, I was told sort of that uh, uh, my services were no longer required but luckily for me the the reserves came back the year uh, after my third year at under 19 so I signed like a part-time reserves contract um, but the, the it wasn't a reserve league it was only a few fixtures so I was only training sort of very rarely with Wigan and, and sort of started a job over in Preston in an uh, accountant's office and then my sort of pitched up the idea of um, going to Swinton on dual registration and ended up there all year and had, uh, this was 2016, and had a really good good season with sort of Swinton and um, was offered a full-time contract at the end of that year with Wigan. Um, and I was probably, at, at that point, I was probably still very, very like unfit as for a, for a professional rugby player because I was part-time training with them. Um, so it was still a bit of a, a bumpy road even in starting with Wigan first team. But yeah, it was a sort of, um, a really good opportunity and I just sort of said to myself that it was if I was going to make it a rugby it was time to sort of just throw all the eggs in one basket have sort of one last crack at it and, and see how we get on and luckily enough uh, going into that 2017 season I'd had a pretty good sort of pre-season and um, was sort of in the 21-man squads at the beginning of the year which was a massive achievement in itself not even not playing just being around the team and I remember warming up for the World Cup Challenge when they beat Cronulla and that was sort of a, a big, amazing experience. And then I think maybe the week after or two weeks after, uh, a couple of lads had picked up injuries and I luckily got a chance and um, had, a, had a decent issue in 2017 and sort of kicked on from there. So, yeah, a bit of a bit of a distorted uh, sort of path to, to first team. But, yeah, it's sort of 
think in the long run it sort of helped. I think mm-hmm. obviously doing that twelve months working uh, in an office has given me a bit of a greater appreciation of sort of the opportunities and sort of the the, the privilege that we have for doing sort of a hobby that that people yeah. do on the side as a full time job. And I think it sort of keeps that sort of hunger burning, as I said earlier, to to want to keep progressing and want to keep working hard. And um, I don't, I don't, I want to, I want to keep playing for as long as I can. Um, not that sort of working in the office isn't a, a good role or a good career for somebody, but at the minute, if I can carry on playing rugby as I am, I'd, I'll, I'll take that for as long as possible. So, yeah, it's it's sort of stead me in good stead. I think when I sort of look back now, there's a sort of couple of times when I was sort of floating around part time and working where I probably shove a rocket on my backside and tell myself to, to sort of get going and stop moping around. But no, it's helped me in the long run. Uh, maybe it was, it wasn't, it wasn't always on the on the cards to, to sort of play and make it at first team. But luckily a few things fell in place for me and I took my opportunities and I, I am where I am now and I'm I'm very grateful for that. When you when you question when you questioned I think your attitude, didn't you, in those those kind of early days when you didn't know whether you were going to be a professional sportsman or not. Uh, and you, your fitness obviously, but that just goes, you know, if you're not training full time, you're not going to be as fit as everyone else. But your attitude is something you can get right. So so what was wrong with it? Were you just not were you just not bothered? Were you not that into rugby, or were you just kind of like quite laxadaisical, happy-go-lucky as a as a human being? It's like what will be will be. Yeah, I'd say it was sort of that. It was like sort of a couple of it, it was sort of a, a probably young naive mentality, sort of a couple of setbacks, couple of maybe like I said, being told that I, I wasn't wanted or uh, that, that I wasn't going to progress onto the first team at, at sort of seventeen, eighteen, and. Probably just the, the way I reacted is a bit of a, an immature way. When I look back now, I think it's not not the way to react. But it was just sort of the maybe where I was up to in, in my stage of life, and it's sort of that thing that you you learn and obviously moulds you as you get older. But I, yeah, I think I'd just maybe gone off a little bit, sort of a bit, and trying to trying to fit the training around, the, trying to fit like getting in and getting in with Wigan. Sometimes it would be in the morning before work, and then having to go to work, and then coming back to train at night. It was just sort of. If you, if you don't have that desire or hunger when you're doing it, it's, it's hard to do when you are really happy to be in there. So it was just maybe just it got to the point where it was almost like I don't know if I want to commit to do this and I don't know if, I, if this is actually what I do. I can just go and get a train up to be an accountant and do, do a normal job and maybe just play part-time somewhere or, or not at all. So there were conversations I had with my parents and sort of my partner and I had a few chats with Matty as he was the sort of, he was sort of my point of contact at the time as sort of in working with the reserves and the academy. It was just to sort of say, I don't know whether this is right for me and I don't know whether I can commit to doing all this and top of a job and stuff. And when I look back and maybe look and think you look like a little sulky 19-year-old, it's it's funny to think, but it, it's sort of set me in good stead for now. So um, I won't go back and change anything. It's part of the journey and, and luckily it's paid off, but um, there's no saying it, it wouldn't have gone differently, but yeah, I'm just really happy it has turned out the way it has. It could have been yeah, uh, very sure. different. Yeah, and you're right when you talked about perspective. It you know it gives us great perspective when we experience tough times like that to really enjoy stuff that we might otherwise take for granted. That's that's life yeah. in a nutshell, isn't it? Really, yeah. um, to have to have had those experiences is, is the accountancy thing thing something that you'll come back to after rugby. Am I right in saying you've you've still been studying through while you've been playing? Yeah, so I had sort of um, a couple of years when I first signed for the first team uh, off it. And um, it was when I did my knee in, in the lockdown, um, just after we came back from sort of the COVID stuff and we could play. Um, I did my uh, ACL, that was 2020. So um, just decided to, it's probably a good time to start back up with obviously being laid up and not being able to do much training. So I uh, just jumped back on with doing my qualifications. It's something I'm, I'm still doing now on the side. And just good to have sort of that bit of a break and something to do away from rugby when you're not training. It just sort of takes your mind off it, and that's uh, something that I'm, I don't mind doing. I quite enjoy it. And I, my my dad always said to me his career was uh, sort of pulled short with injuries, yeah. and he always said just whatever you do, just make sure you sort of have sort of something to fall back on. Um, so that's something I've tried to to keep up with and. Yeah, like I said, I enjoy doing it and I can do it at my own pace with sort of being an online course so I can find times in between training and days off to, to do it so it's quite enjoyable. And um, Yeah, I try to keep it up. I, I want to. and uh, I don't know if necessarily that's what I'll do when I'll finish 
Uh, it's just something that I, I did at college and I've obviously had experience working in that sort of profession and just thought, well, if, if I don't, if I have that, I can sort of maybe venture and do different things. But to, to have at least some qualifications is probably probably a good start. You know what? If I, if I, if I did a serious, a really serious injury, I was thinking of what can make myself feel better. Bottom of the list would be doing online accountancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For some people it would, yeah. I think a lot of people would say that. Just I don't know. I got I ended up I just ended up sort of doing it at, at college when I was doing my A levels and um, it's never anything I'd really looked into. It's not like I have any relatives or friends or people I know that have worked in that profession. It's just I think I went into like a sort of college sort of open day thing, sort of getting ready to be signed up at, at the, the college I went to and they sort of saw my scores and for my GCSEs and was I was decent at maths and sort of, they just sort of said, well, maybe this is a good idea and I just was like, yeah, all right, Blase said, that, that sounds good. It was quite interesting, I enjoyed it, so, um, yeah, but like you said, laid up with a knee injury and, and not being able to move on the couch, not many people would want to sit and sort of look at numbers on a screen, but no, it's, it's, it's not a bad little pastime for me. Uh, just just a few final ones. You mentioned your dad. I'm sure you get asked a lot about him as well as a as a former pro. How big a guiding light and an influence has, has he been on your your life and your career to date? Yeah, it's a bit of a um, not not a strange one, but he's he sort of never pushed me to do um, never pushed me to do anything. He's sort of quite chilled and relaxed, and um, like you said, with him being an ex pro, you'd sort of expect us to talk a lot of rugby and discuss and it's sort of kind of the opposite of that we very very rarely speak about about rugby he obviously comes and watches every game he's a big supporter but um, I'll see him after the game he'll just say good game and he waits for me to talk if I want to talk then he's he's more than willing to chat but he never sort of forced anything on me um, like even when I was a kid I picked football as the sport I went to he wasn't pushing me to play rugby and he, and he never did which has sort of helped me I think so there's, there's not there's not any pressure from him there was never any sort of pushing them, pushing about or saying you need to go and do this or you need to be better or you could work on this. He just sort of let me get on with it. And even in the times where we discussed earlier about where I was sort of part-time and sort of working and maybe my attitude wasn't right, he never sort of stepped in and he sort of let me, not, I wouldn't call it, well, sort of maybe make my own mistakes or sort of make my own choices and I sort of have a lot of respect for him for that. It's... Um, I feel like sometimes having a strong influence, not not that he's not, he's a very sort of strong influence. And obviously, like me I mentioned earlier, me, him, sort of his career finishing early for injury, me being able to do uh, as well as I have, as sort of maybe gives a bit back to him. He can sort of live live a few things with me. I know he's, he, he, he was very emotional and, and, and very, um, so it was one of his favourite days ever when, when we won the cup earlier in the year. And that's obviously, it's one of the really big reasons why you play the sport, which is good. And, yeah, he's, he's an influence in, uh, he's a big influence, but not maybe in the, the way that you'd sort of expect, uh, which is which I quite I quite like. If I if, if I need to go and chat to him, he's, he's available, but he's not sort of ringing me or texting me or, or, or trying to review the game when we get home or when I see him or whatever. So it's good. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it that way. I probably wouldn't, wouldn't change that. And as a final thought then, uh, this has absolutely flown by as well. It's amazing how time passes when you're talking <laughs> about maths and accountancy and, and serious <laughs> knee injury. Uh, I always like to to finish by asking guests about kind of life. You've alluded to this already. Life lessons that that rugby league teaches us that you know kind of form us as people, and you know we, we we carry with us through the rest of our life. You've already talked, I think, about perspective and yeah. gratitude because of your backstory. So, you know, if I was to ask you that, what would you say that? your life so far or your life within league, I, I should say, within the sport so far has taught you that has kind of made you, you know, a better person in life as a whole and that the lessons you've taken from being involved in in the sport that either you've chosen or has chosen you in a way, listening to you. Yeah. Um, well, I obviously mentioned earlier about the sort of the perspective when you look back and think about things and that, that I'd say is one, one I sort of try and um, live by. And I sort of did this when I, when I injured my knee. It was, Sort of like, not if, if situations happen and whether they and this can be related to on the field, off the field, whatever, whatever the situation happens. Once it's once it's been and gone, you you can't change that. So a massive thing is is sort of how you react and how you respond to that. Um, I always talked about when I did my knee. Uh, I was actually speaking to to Joe Philbin at an England meeting about it, and 
he had a similar thought process to me and it was along the lines of the, the sort of situations happened it's, it's rubbish that you're injured and but you you can have a sit around and sulk and sort of mope around and sort of kicking stones and hiding away from the world or you can sort of be positive use it as a reason to to get better and uh, and still be happy and still have a laugh and joke it doesn't sort of change the situation so it's almost that sort of that glass half full sort of mentality with things and and then just that sort of that appreciation of, of things sort of in rugby for me, that's a massive one is if there ever is a day where you, you're feeling a bit rubbish or you think, oh, training's a bit tough or the body's a bit sore, it's just sort of remembering that well, you could be could be in an office now until five, you could be working in a manual labour job, it, you, you, you're with your mates, it's sunny outside like today, you, you, you're playing your hobby for a, for a job, you, you've got your dinner cut for you by the chef, it's, you, you just sort of, Corey, sometimes have a step back and remember where you are and, and there'd be people that would absolutely kill or do anything to sort of be in the position you are so the, probably the sort of things that I try and try and remember uh, probably some days in pre-season where, <laughs> where you forget those um, but uh, no most of the time it's it's pretty good pretty positive place can't complain with, with sort of well, living the dream doing what you love for a living uh, Liam I'll uh, I'll let you go and enjoy the sunshine I really appreciate your time I've loved chatting and uh, yeah, yeah thank you very again, much brilliant uh, all right Liam. Liam Marshall, this week's uh, big interview. Uh, we'll be back with another next week. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. So, Liam Marshall, this week's big interview on the Love Rugby League podcast. Some fascinating insight as well into uh, Matty Pete and Wigan, the Wigan way culture, St Helens still being the benchmark. And Liam Marshall, uh, Josh McAllister, Love Rugby League's uh, reporter, who joins us uh, to chat things through. Probably the B-form winger league at the moment. Under the radar of field and French, as he, as he said in that big interview. And going along very nicely indeed with, with, with back-to-back hat-tricks. He was, a, he was a really good listener, wasn't he? Yeah, he was back-to-back hat tricks, as you say, gets all KR, and and then again last week. And you mentioned Bevan French and Jay Field; they're the ones getting the headlines. But Liam Marshall is having a really standout season, and really pushing for an England spot at, at, come the end of the, at the end of the year. You say some interesting points in that culture being a big one. You've, you've noticed, I think there's a, a massive shift in culture at Wigan this year. They just look like they're enjoying themselves, um, and you can tell that on the field. And we mentioned before we went live about the, the different training schedule they have the fact they have the team run two days before that's that's the change in it and the, the culture looks great and the fact that St. Helens is still the benchmark which is it's funny in a way because Wigan have won the Challenge Cup the first trophy on offer this year so St. Helens even I know they've won the last three grand finals Wigan have won the Challenge Cup so it's it's funny in a way that they're still looking up to St. Helens well I suppose not that too funny they're at the top of the league still What's interesting, we've discussed this already this season quite a few times on the Love Rugby League podcast, is, is Wigan's desire to go under the radar. And Liam Marshall himself used those that, that terminology a lot during that big interview on the, on the podcast this week about going under the radar. It's almost like they want to, and that, that huge Challenge Cup win actually caused them a few problems because everyone was able to see it on national TV that this Wigan side's really good. And their plan was to, yes, Saints are the target, Saints are the benchmark. Let's see how much we can catch them up. But suddenly, by having the successes they've already had in front of a, a, a big nationwide audience, people are able to see that Wigan aren't as far behind St. Helens as they would perhaps like us to believe or, <clears throat> or you know, like to make out. Um, but I think we would agree with, with Marshall that, that Saints are still up there. And actually, what, what was interesting for me when he said on and off, the field. So when he talks about culture and when Wigan and Matt Pete have, have put these new things in, they clearly looked at St. Hel- St. Helens, Josh, as a as a model. Whatever they're doing is a model that works, and it's it's a bit of respect to them that they're trying to to kind of replicate some stuff they're doing. Yeah, I've got it down here that he said we're, we're not quite where we can be, which is what Wigan fans want to hear because, as you say, they've already won the Challenge Cup. They're having a good season. I think the four points behind St. Helens, the benchmark, and if they're saying that they're not quite where they can be, heading into this back end of the season, come the playoffs, if they can get even better, then it's all to play for. And what I love about the league and the players involved, that they're all normal, 
normal people with with normal stories and we've had that the last couple of weeks in a row on this podcast with Alex Wormsley who's a qualified quantity surveyor who you know was a sliding doors moment away from accepting a job in an office in Wakefield and then he had to uh, to reel back on a job offer because St Helens came in and offered him a three-year deal to play professional rugby league instead and you know fast forward a few years and he's going to be leading the England pack at the World Cup instead of you know leading leading this the the surveyors company office in Wakefield and the same with with Liam Marshall who's doing his accountancy qualification on the side which he started a few years ago when he didn't think he was going to make it just this young little bloke who wasn't picked up I think he said when he was playing at at Wigan St Pat's his, his amateur club he was one of only two players that hadn't been signed on for the end of the year to go to an academy or a scholarship which is remarkable where you think where he is now and so he was thinking of his options and then he started getting a job as in an accountant's office and the rugby got a bit too much. So he said to Matty Peters, I can't do this as well. And then the way it's turned out, he's scoring hat-tricks every week in an elite side in Super League and, and winning silverware. And also as a, as a very little bloke in a, in a game <laughs> full of giants. You know, he is. He's a, he's a, he's a diminutive winger. And it's, it's interesting as, as well, the fact that he had all those knockbacks. Even when he started at Wigan, he said he got told he, he wasn't going to be renewed the following year. And these are the same guys then who are involved now, Matt Pete and Sean Wayne. So it's not like he's just got lucky with someone new's come in and said, yeah, actually, no, you are. You, you are up to it. It's the same people judging him. So he's, he's done this all himself. He's found something in his mindset to, trans, to transform him. And you know, I guess these are the kind of stories why, why rugby league is so accessible and why we enjoy it so much. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's not the exact route all other players go through, the same as Alex Wormsley, who was an amateur, used to be Celtic, picked up by Batley. He talks about the, the influence of John Kerr, and then he's gone to say, it. Lee Marshall as well, reserves. I think he went and played a season with Swinton Lions. Would he have made it? Would he, was he not going to make it? And then he's he's changed something clearly. Again, pers- personally, he's changed something to impress, as you say, the, the same people that said you might not make it. And here he is pushing for an England spot. Uh, the other bit we mentioned, Lee Briers, the other big bit of news really in, in rugby league circles was, I guess it was a shock announcement. I know Lee Briers really well and I didn't know this. I only saw Lee last week. Um, so he clearly kept, <laughs> he clearly kept this <laughs> from, you know, just, just between his family and and the club that, that he was making this big move. He's, he's going to leave Wigan at the end of the year and go to Brisbane Broncos, a dream coaching role in the NRL. It's a real story, this. It's, it's a rebirth, if you like, of Lee Breers, I think, because I spoke to him last year, last spring, when he was called into the office at Warrington Wolves and told that he had no future. He was called in um, by, you know, by the powers that be at, at Warrington, um, by Fitzpatrick, and told that Darrell Powell's coming in, he's going to bring his new staff. There was no animosity. I think Lee Breers had a problem with the way it was done, but Certainly, of course, you, your new coaching staff comes in and brings his own people in. That's the way it works. But Lee Breers and, and Andrew Henderson were out of the job. And and I spoke very soon after that to Lee, and he was absolutely devastated. He was struggling mentally. He had a lot of anxiety about you know, being unemployed and where his career should go next. He was even ready, Josh, to walk away from rugby league. This is one of the greatest players that, that this country has uh, produced, or Great Britain has, has produced, being a, Welsh, a former Wales captain. And he was ready to turn his back on the game. That's how low he was. And then it was very quick that he got the job offer at Wigan. And everyone has seen the impact that he's made at Wigan in the way that they've played this year. A lot of their attack is the Lee Breers effect. There's a bit more to it than that, but you can see in their attack the way they play, the success of Marshall, the success of French, the success of Field, the way the halves are playing, the way they're kicking. This is all down to Lee Breers. And suddenly the NRL has come knocking and at the end of the year, he's going to be packing his family off to Brisbane and you know what I'm so so pleased for him that there aren't many people I think who who deserve this as much as Lee Breers what he gave to Warrington and I think the way they handled his departure was poor and the way he was left feeling after that the 12 months he's gone on to have with Wigan and now this move to the NRL I'm so so happy for him and I can't imagine him having anything other than terrific success 
because Chris Rudlinski in the Witter statement Wigan put out to confirm the news, I think he called it, you know, was it his 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 passion or something for rugby league is unique. And it's absolutely right. He is absolutely unique. He, he lives and breathes rugby league. And it's it'll be a big blow for Wigan, but it's uh it's a huge pat on the back for for someone who's given so much to this sport. Yeah, and we talk about the culture change at Wigan and the culture that it has been this season and how they're enjoying themselves. And Libra is playing a massive part of that. And as you say, as a young halfback, the likes of Harry Smith, I think they've got a younger player called Logan Astley. I think I think that's right. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Even the likes of Kay Cust, they'll be learning off this guy who's played, you know, all his career in Super League, Wales International. That's He's had a lot of knowledge to pass on. He say one successful season with Wigan, Brisbane Broncos have already had a look and said, that's a guy that we want that's going to help us. And Brisbane Broncos on the rise as well at the minute in the NRL. They're not. A couple of years ago, they were at the bottom of the NRL. This year, they're doing well. So a successful NRL side has looked at him and said, he could make us even better. It's massive news for, for Lee Brees. And maybe he'll come back and be a head coach one day. Yeah, I don't think Lee Brees will be lost to the game over here now. I think he'll go and thrive and do whatever he wants. And it... You know, we, we talk of big moments in, in people's careers and lives. I think leaving Warrington has, has been a major one and it's 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 heading in the right direction for him now. And I'm, uh, I'm genuinely absolutely thrilled for, for Lee and, and for his family and, and wish him well for the adventure they're going to have. Uh, a couple of other bits of news we should wrap up as well over the last week on this week's Love Rugby League podcast. Richard Agar heading overseas as well, heading, heading down under. That was a bit of a bolt out of the blue. I think the feeling there was that he was going to be going back to Leeds at some point. I know he's been talking to Gary Hetherington and trying to, to kind of reach agreements and smooth a few things out. And also, he's been a regular viewer at, at recent Featherstone games. So I think there, there were a few whispers that with Brian McDermott's future under some scrutiny with Featherstone's promotion charge stalling in recent weeks, although they were great against Widnes at the weekend, that maybe Richard Agar might have a role there. But no, he's, he's off to the NRL and... You know, he's he's getting himself some great moves, isn't he? Yes, yeah, he's got a great agent, Rich. Yep, Samoa at the World Cup, New Zealand Warriors in the NRL. He's he's going to enjoy life down under for the next couple of years. Yeah, really good move for, for Richard Agar. Good luck to him as well. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to, to bring up just before we, we round up where you were, where you're going, even though you weren't at any games because your car was in the garage. <laughs> um, hopefully you will be getting to some rugby league matches for Love Rugby League this weekend. Uh, the other the other one was Victor Radley, who gave his first full interview, really, with his mate James Graham on, on their Byram podcast, which was a, a really interesting listen. I, I love the passion. First time I've heard from Victor Radley, really, uh, England's new recruit. And it was, uh, it was a great insight into his thought process, turning his back on the origin and deciding he wanted to play for England. Also, Sean Wayne, the way he took it, many people saying, well, Sean Wayne doesn't want plastic Englishman and these Aussies coming over to play for England. But it sounds, the way he reacted to that phone call from Victor Radley, that he was delighted to have him on board. Yeah. Um, mentioned James Graham, new podcast inspired by by yourself, George, and, and this podcast maybe. <laughs> well, it was, yeah. He, he popped on our podcast, had such a great time. And then <laughs> next couple of weeks later, he's got his own. He has, yeah. Uh, with the Victor Radley, he says it wasn't an overnight process. He thought about it for months. He was in the Blues squad for the second game of Orange this year. He's, he, had to, he had to think months and months about it. And he's turned his back on Australia. He's turned his back on New South Wales, which, you know, they, they pay a pretty penny to play in state of origin compared to a couple of games for England, which is what it is every year. A couple of games, if you're lucky. He's turned his back on that and he wants to represent his heritage. He wants to represent his dad, who I think is from Sheffield, I think he says in the piece. And Sean Sheffield Wayne, Wednesday fan he is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Sean Wayne, he says in the first conversation, he says, I'm delighted to to, to hear that. Looking forward to work, working with you and, and let's go win the World Cup and that sort of passion. I think James Graham during the podcast said he nearly put his boots back on. He wants to come play again. I know he got that. He got the spine tingled into talking to to Victor Radley. Uh, let's let's wrap up this week's Love Rugby League podcast then. And as ever, uh, thanks to to all of you for listening. Tell your mates uh, we're here every week. One of the leading rugby league podcasts with the uh, the best interviews and features every week on the market at the moment. And we always round up with where were you and where are you going? 
Uh, where were you was very simple, Josh. You were at home because your car was in the garage. I was. I was at home <laughs> with 250 down. Put my cars back now. <laughs> um, I spent... Uh, my voice, you might notice, is a bit croaky still this week because I, I commentated on five matches over the weekend, four of them in a row at Yorkshire men's final day at, uh, at Mount Pleasant in Batley on Saturday with the, uh, the four... Yorkshire men's finals back-to-back, which was quite an experience, uh, especially the first game where Queensbury in defeat to Castleford Panthers had three men red carded, including two sent off for verbally abusing the referee, which was not not what you want at any level of rugby league at all. But the day, the day, the, the day did get better. We saw some terrific performances towards the end, but blindly, four games in a row is a lot. And then Sunday, I was at Widnes for... Uh, the Vikings revitalised under under our mate John Keir. Uh, they played a Featherstone side who've been struggling a little bit of late, but it was much more like it from Fev. Witness, I thought, were excellent in patches. They felt they got on the wrong end of a few refereeing decisions, but Featherstone, who looked better going forward with Jonathan Ford in the halves, that's the last two games he started. He got his first try for Rovers as well. He did throw an intercept pass, I should, I should say, but he, he also then set up the match winner and Brian McDermott, for once, was really happy after that. He was nice to speak to. He said that's much more like it, early signs that we might be getting there. So, Featherstone, that, that was good for them. In terms of where you're going, uh, I'll be at Fem again Sunday, and then not sure before that. We've got a good one at Salford, haven't we? Salford-Huddersfield, which I might go to. I think you're off to that. Yeah, I'm off to that on a Saturday. I think it's the Channel 4 game, one o'clock kickoff. And then before that, I'm off to the Hallowell Jones Stadium for a, a big game between Warrington and Toulouse, I think... Uh, I think they might be underplaying it a little bit, Daryl Powell, but I think there will be a few nervous Warrington fans. There's, um, I mean, there's still four points between them, but the two points between them and Wakefield, it, it, it is a massive game. I don't think Warrington like to think that they're in the relegation fight. I don't really think they are in the relegation fight. If I had to guess now who's going to win it, I'd put my money on Warrington, but it is a massive game on, th- on Thursday on Sky Sports. Yeah, I think it's all on that game. I think if Toulouse get a victory at Warrington, then I think there are three teams in the relegation fight if Warrington can turn up and get the crowd behind them as they wanted, which is why they released that statement last week telling to get the fans back on side and support the team. If they get that and they get the result, then I think it is Toulouse or Wakefield. But uh, yeah, that is an absolutely huge match in Super League. That'll do us for this week on the Love Rugby League podcast. Thanks as ever for your company. Please remember to subscribe. We're available on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening to us. Uh, we will be there. Get us subscribed, downloaded. Give us a review if you'd be kind enough as well. And uh, We will be back with you for another episode next week. We will see you then. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.